to the Continuing Education Podcast for CASA volunteers, connecting you with experts who can advance your advocacy for children and families. I'm your host, Maggie Halpin, and this is CASA on the Go. Welcome back, everyone. We are really excited to have an incredibly knowledgeable friend and colleague with us today to talk about something that I think many of us so often take for granted, which is normalcy. The wonderful Sarah Crockett is here with us. Um, and not only is Sarah our very own senior public policy associate here at Texas CASA, um, she's also truly one of the experts on normalcy for children and youth in foster care here in Texas. So thanks so much, Sarah, for sharing your experience with us. Um, and we'd love to just start off by hearing a little bit more about, about your background. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Maggie. And it's so exciting to be able to talk with our network about normalcy and how important it is. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm the Senior Public Policy Associate at Texas CASA, um, and I've been working on policy issues related to children and youth for uh, my entire career. I started out really focused on infants and toddlers, and then through my work at Texas CASA, have focused uh, specifically on children and youth who are in foster care. Um, but have worked intensively on normalcy um, throughout my time at Texas CASA. It was one of the first kind of big initiatives from a policy perspective that I undertook and worked with a lot of youth to develop the language for the legislation, as well as a lot of foster care providers, because this legislation is important to both um, foster care providers as well as children and youth in foster care. And then I've done a lot of training on this topic around the state as well. And then Texas CASA is currently uh, leading an initiative um, with support from the Texas Children's Commission to develop a guide that's going to be specific to all the different roles within the child welfare system and how um, all the professionals that work with children and youth in care can better support uh, normalcy through their role. So really excited to be here to talk about normalcy and um, help spread the word about how important it is. So wonderful. And we're so happy to have you with us. Um, and the concept of normalcy, I think, is a little bit broad. So today we're going to talk about what exactly we mean by that and why it's so important, as well as the ways that it can often be disrupted um, for the children and youth that we're working with when they come into the foster care system, and what CASA volunteers can do to advocate for greater normalcy in their lives. Um, and before we jump in to our discussion, I want to take a moment to just put it out there that I think this is a really interesting moment for us to really reflect on normalcy for the children and youth that we work with because so many of us are experiencing a pretty radical no loss of normalcy ourselves right now. Um, we're recording this episode from our homes where we are under a mandatory shelter in place ordinance here in Austin um, due to the coronavirus pandemic. And, you know, we're obviously just unable to go about our lives as we normally would right now. And this is a really challenging and stressful time for so many folks in our communities. And I just wanna say my heart is going out with all of its might to um, 
anyone who is having to worry about a sick love a sick loved one right now or shoulder the burden of increased financial stress as so many jobs are impacted by this crisis um and just in a lot of ways there's a lot of sudden isolation i think that many people are experiencing right now as our medical community is cautioning us against visiting um, our friends and family members and those we would normally see throughout a given day or throughout our week. So we can certainly, I think, draw parallels between that kind of disruption and isolation and stress that many of us are grappling with in this moment to the experiences of children and youth who are removed from their families and from their communities and often from their schools and daycares as well when they're placed into foster care and into a completely new and unfamiliar and jarring day-to-day um, -day reality. So with that in mind, um, let's take a deep dive into understanding normalcy and what it means um, for our advocacy. So Sarah, how do you explain what normalcy is exactly and why it's something that we need to have on our radars as child advocates? Yeah, thank you. So I think it's so funny that in the child welfare system, we have to create terms um, that are super jargony just so we can have a basic conversation about um, normal everyday things, right? So the term normalcy really just refers to the desire that we have uh, as a child welfare system in Texas and across the United States, because there's federal legislation related to this as well, um, for kids in foster care to have as normal a life as possible, given that they are removed from their families and often put into different communities. And so um, there's been an acknowledgement that um, being in foster care is not a normal experience. Um, and there's a real need to do a better job as a system to help kids feel more like kids and let them have the same kinds of experiences of childhood and growth and development and adolescence that um, their peers are having that are not in foster care. And part of normalcy is also about allowing those caregivers who are caring for our children, youth and care, whether those are kinship caregivers, family members, or if those are licensed uh, foster parents. So really allowing parents who are caring for kids in foster care to, to really act more like parents and to allow kids to be more like kids. So when we talk about normalcy, what we're really saying is we want people to have normal, healthy relationships and experiences um, that we want for all of our um, kids across in our families or across the United States. Great. And what would you say are some of the big the biggest barriers to experiencing normalcy for children in foster care, aside from the fact that they are in foster care? Yeah, I mean, there's so many barriers, right? So there's the barriers that are put in place just from the removal um, from their families of origin. So um, when you I mean, just think about if you tomorrow left your home where you are with your family and your dog and your favorite foods and you move to a new community where they have different rules, different smells, 
different um, kinds of bedding on the bed and they have a cat and um, they don't like mac and cheese, right? And so, you know, I think even as adults, we could think about what that would be like to no longer have anything familiar to us and be put in a new environment and be expected to just totally thrive and not have any issues with it. So I think just the idea that we expect kids to not have challenging behaviors and um, trauma from this, I think, you know, is a challenge in and of itself. And so the foster care system and the process of removal is not normal. Um, and that creates a lot of barriers, but also the system itself, right? So you've got, now you've got a caseworker coming to see you, you've got an attorney, you might have a CASA volunteer. So you've got all these kind of new strangers in your life as well, all who want to talk to you about um, everything that's happened to you and how you're doing. And um, you've probably got a therapist. And, you know, in addition to having a new school and new teachers where you're probably, um, hopefully you're in the same math class that you were in before, but maybe you're doing a different subject. And so maybe you don't know anything about sine and cosine and all of your peers in your class already know how to do that. And so there's just so many barriers, I think, just naturally that happen within the foster care system. But for our foster parents, there's also a lot of worry about what will happen if a child um, maybe goes to the movies with their friends and, um, you know, they end up skipping the movie that they were going to go see and they end up hanging out at the mall instead. And so just a lot of the things that like typically happen with teenagers, foster parents are like, oh, now I'm going to be held responsible and liable because they told me they were going to be one place and now they weren't. And so in addition to like the normal parental stress that comes with raising maybe a teenager or a young child, um, you have the worry about kind of judgment from all of these different people that I just talked about, but also um, actual liability that you could be under with your license as a foster parent. And so I think there's just a lot of concern about allowing kids to um, do activities, things like that. And then, you know, there's barriers with transportation. And um, if you've got visits scheduled um, with your parent, maybe that's happening twice a week in the middle of the day. Um, so you're having to leave school and suddenly you're getting called out of class in front of everybody really regularly. Um, and so just the, the ways in which that we, with the best of intentions, want to um, create systems and create opportunities for healing, um, we also are creating barriers for kids just having normal experiences. Wow. Thank you for spelling that out. That's like really uh, helps, I think, to kind of like really empathize with everything that the children and youth are experiencing that we're working with and how different that is from what we think of as like a normal childhood. And so, um, yeah, I just think it's so important that we're really thinking about that and what we can do as advocates to help 
kind of counteract that and make sure that we are talking to people about how do we make sure that as much as possible and in every opportunity we have, we're helping to make sure that this kiddo has, you know, every opportunity to experience a normal childhood. Um, and so I was thinking like, you know, one of the ways that advocates can start to promote greater normalcy is just to start talking about it to all of the people involved in that child's life. So do you have any tips you could share with us on how we can ask youth for their ideas on how to help their day-to-day -day feel more normal to them? Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with talking to them about, you know, like just acknowledging to the youth that there's a lot of things going on in their life that create kind of an abnormal experience and just directly asking them, you know, what can we do to help you feel like you have more access to the types of things that you want to do? And, you know, we talked with a youth once who was saying, you know, my foster parents said that they would love for me to be able to play soccer, but I have therapy every Thursday at four o'clock. And then my caseworker or my CASA is coming after work. And so they basically couldn't play soccer because of the barriers that we had set up as a child welfare system. And so I think asking the youth, like, hey, what are the experiences that you're having? Um, and some, some youth are totally like, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing okay. And I love being involved in court. And I really love um, seeing everybody kind of independently um, and separately. And it's okay if you visit me at school. And then other youth are like, really like, hey, I don't want to miss school. I don't want to go to court. Like I would prefer to not have to do X, Y, and Z. And so I think it starts with having an intentional conversation where you're acknowledging the things that at least CASA can have an influence over um, in terms of visitation schedules, um, maybe even like therapy times. Um, and also when we visit the youth and making sure that that works for not just the foster parents, which I think we're pretty good about, hey, is it okay if I stop by at this time and this day? Um, but also checking in with the youth to make sure, you know, like, hey, if we're going to regularly visit, I want to make sure that it works for you and isn't preventing you from um, having access to your friends or some activities that you want to do after school. Um, so just being aware of that. And I think in the education arena where CASA really stands out, um, talking with educators about the importance of um, extracurricular activities or maybe, you know, right at the enrollment period, if they just are changing placements, if you know your kiddo is really into art, like seeing, talking with the counselor and saying, hey, are there any art classes we can get this kid plugged into? So they don't have to wait to start having those kinds of experiences, um, but we can try to make that happen really early on in the front end. And so I think there's a lot that CASA can do um, but it does start with an intentional conversation with the children and youth that we're working with. Great. Those are all really good things for us to keep in mind. Um, and another question that I had is, 
you know, one term that's sometimes used to describe foster care is social quarantine, um, which, you know, meaning that the children are removed from their normal social network and lose all of those day-to-day social connections that they're used to having. Um, something that I think we're all uh, getting a little um, experience with ourselves right now. Um, but what are some ways that CASA advocates can work to mitigate that and help keep a child connected to those important people in their life that help their life feeling to feel more normal to them? Um, well, I think that, you know, CASA has started to do a lot of intentional work with engaging um, families and loved ones of children and youth through our collaborative family engagement model. And I think that's a great way to a, get a sense of who the child loves and who the who loves the child and make sure those people have a meaningful connection with um, the children and also the families and creating kind of a support network around the child. I think a lot of times what's happened kind of historically is we might go to a person and say, hey, um, I know your grandma or you're the neighbor Um, and this child really loves you, um, is it possible for you to be a placement? And if they say no to that, then historically, we just kind of have never talked to them again, right? Because we're sort of like trying to find a placement for the child that's appropriate. Um, But maybe they can't be a placement. They could go to the football game on Friday night, or um, they could take them out to McDonald's once a week. Um, And so, you know, figuring out who the child really loves and who's important to them, and then being intentional about continuing engagement with those people um, throughout the time that you're appointed to that child and and making sure that those family members or those loved ones are engaged in the case and engaged in the child's life. Um, Even if it's from a distance, that's still so meaningful for the child and can help them feel connected to their community into their life before foster care, which is just has been kind of invaluable for, I think, for the children and youth that we work with. Great. Um, Well, thank you so much for taking this time to help us understand how CASA volunteers can help to create this better experience of greater normalcy for the children and youth that we're serving um, and set them up for you know, success by giving them a better chance at a brighter and happier and more normal um, present and future. Are there any other tips or thoughts or resources that you wanna point people towards before we wrap up? No, I think just be on the lookout for the normalcy guide that we're gonna be creating and you know, just to remember that um, sometimes we have we tend to have higher expectations for kids in foster care than we do for our own children. And so remember yourself that this is a child and kids um, will be kids. And so especially if, you know, they're being a little defiant or they're being a little bit sassy, um, sometimes Kids are sassy and sometimes kids are defiant. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's because they're in foster care or because of anything else. Like a lot of the behavior that we find challenging as adults is developmentally appropriate behavior. And keeping that in mind and keeping that perspective, I think can be really helpful for CASA volunteers to keep in mind, but also to remind our foster parents and our kinship caregivers that kids, these kids still are going to be kids. And that means they're going to have challenging behaviors at times. 
And that doesn't mean that it should be a placement disruption for that kiddo um, or, you know, an automatic need for intervention, but it's really more, hey, you know, it sounds like maybe they're going through a developmental milestone right now and, you know, maybe they're having a growth spurt or maybe their hormones are changing and all of that um, is normal and challenging in and of itself. And so just remembering ourselves that kids are kids and um, allow kids in foster care that grace uh, that you would allow the children and youth that are in your lives that are not in care. Awesome. That's a really great reminder. I know that when that does happen, I, I'm sure it's coming from a great place for all of our advocates who are just trying to, you know, proactively do their best and, and respond to any um, concern that they see. And so that's a really great reminder just to keep in mind that a lot of that stuff is uh, normal that, you know, uh, things that all kids struggle with. And so thank you for putting that back on our radar. So thank you again so much to Sarah Crockett for sharing her experience with us today. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Please join us next time for more continuing education and please take care and be well. Thanks for listening to Casa on the Go. Join us next time for more dynamic continuing education brought to you by Texas Casa.